everybody. Welcome to the fifth episode of Stories of Strength. Just a reminder of what our episodes are about. We are talking to incredible people that have incredible stories of adversity, that have um, taken that adversity and turned it into something positive. And today, I have a very special guest. Um, we are new friends, and I'm very thankful to you for agreeing to be on a podcast with me today and for sharing something that maybe not everybody knows about you. And I always um, take this time to just give gratitude to my guests for taking the time. I know you're very busy. Um, also, when we tell stories about our life, that makes us vulnerable. Not everybody's open to that. Sure. Um, and so I just want to thank you for being here and thank you for being brave enough to share your story. And hopefully we'll inspire some people with the things that you're going to share with me today. Um, so Tim, I'd love for you to tell um, a little bit, just 10 seconds about yourself. Um, like, what do you do today? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me on. My name's Tim Regan. I'm a mortgage loan officer here in the Scottsdale area. I've been in mortgage lending, since, I like to say forever, but really got into the industry in 1999 doing cold calling for my brother and a couple other loan officers at the time, and eventually went full-time into originating early 2000s. So this has really been my entire career. It's been on the mortgage side. Okay. I moved out to Arizona the first time in 2007. We spent, family and I spent some time here and then moved back and now we're, we're back and I don't think we're ever leaving. <laughs> it's a great place to I live, I love living it? here. It's so easy living here. And, and once you've lived somewhere else and then That's come true. back, it's just so easy to live here. I, I enjoy the West Coast. Married, uh, wife and I, we have four kids. And just try to be a good family man and, and a great at being a, at my job. And I love to give back and be a part of the community. I volunteer with a couple different charity organizations around town. And that's kind of me in a nutshell. Love sports, right? Yeah. I love sports, all kinds of sports. So. I'm gonna take two right here. Go ahead and flip your mic for me real quick. Oh. We'll edit this out. Turn it, just take it and turn it around. Go down this side maybe. Yeah, otherwise it'll keep um, moving whenever, that way it'll sit flat for you. That bad. Let me help you Just a little bit. We might want to actually put it like that. Okay. Just so it sits flat. All right. Take take two. Um, so let's just jump back in. So you did your intro. Now we're going to start on. I'm going to say. So thank you so much for sharing a brief synopsis of what you're doing today. Um, as you well know, the point of this podcast is to talk a little bit about from where you came. Yeah. So this is when I do hand over the proverbial mic and you're going to have the floor and please share as much detail as you want, want to share <laughs> right. um, and, and let me know what, um, tell me a little bit more about where you came from and yeah. what brought you here today. Yeah, so I was born in the suburbs of Chicago, grew up in a single parent household and Struggle and tough times really started for me in the beginning. Uh, at birth, I was born with underdeveloped eye muscles and spent a lot of time in the hospital uh, up until four years old. Had to have an eye surgery. That eye surgery was no fun. Used to have to keep bandages over my eyes. 
it, it, it was really, it was difficult as a kid. And as you can imagine, kids in grade school were not very nice. I used to have these big scars. And so they were super, super accepting, yeah, right? As most elementary kids are. Kids, kids were not nice. I always made it, made up for it by comedy and certainly a couple of schoolyard fights. Sorry, mom. <laughs> Got to prove your. Yeah. Uh, I could yeah. totally understand. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, I mean that's that's really kind of where it began. You know, my 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 mom did a fantastic job raising us with the resources that she had. We had a close knit family, big Italian family. We all hung out and saw each other. I'm Italian right. from Detroit. Yeah. Like, way to go. Yeah. Tell me something. When you were at that grade school age, what in your brain told you to use comedy to help? Was it just a natural reaction for you or did you really did you get a reaction from somebody once and then you were like okay now if I can make people laugh it'll divert away from the like what they're making fun of me of yeah so it's a combination of that and mom saying violence is bad <laughs> you know getting fights yes you know bi big brother and, and cousins were maybe gave different advice but it was really it was really a natural reaction and I, it, I still carry it today even in some of the most serious moments sometimes my my way to break that thick air sometimes is to just crack a joke or yeah. see the bright side yeah. wh whatever it may be lighten and, it up right? yeah you, ju you just lighten it up at the at the end of the day it, it does all pass mm -hmm. and, and you you have to find ways to get from those difficult moments to the next moments mm. That's a really good piece of advice. I mean, even uh, for older people, not just kids, not just juveniles, like how often do we find ourselves in a moment where we're not sure we can pick ourselves up yeah. by the bootstraps? Um, I know I've been through that. And um, I'm curious when you feel that, like, cause I'm sure you still have moments where you're like, okay, what do you say into yourself in your head? Like, what is that pick myself up by the bootstrap? conversation look like yeah it's you know through through my my childhood and into my my teenage years and and having you know personal struggle and re being made fun of or being poked fun of things like that and the high school years was really was really even more difficult where I went through a period of a, a rash of suicides in my friend group Oh, and, wow. and so from having having the experience as a as a child of having been made fun of and kind of figuring out where you fit in uh, to being mature and ha and experience such loss at an early age it was really a weird time I mean between comedy and sports those were really yeah. my two outlets so and tell me a little bit more about I mean I know when we when we talked about your story and by the way, I didn't know much about your story. Yeah. I always like to say that to people. Sure. I usually on these podcasts, this is kind of like the first time I've ever heard the full story. Yeah. Like I'll know a little bit about the story. Um, and you did mention to me about the adversity surrounding um, um, your eye, eye issue, what you were born with, the surgeries. I mean, that in and of itself is like a huge challenge. But let's talk a little bit more about your situation. You're in high school. What? So, tell me a little bit about your friend group. Yeah. So, you know, going back to 
the childhood part and, and people making fun of my eyes and the way I look sometimes through comedy and then when I, getting into junior high and getting into sports and basketball I grew up in the 90s in the Jordan era I always say basketball was my first love mm, nice. so through playing sports and, and meeting people and being a fairly good athlete helped change some of that um, but but going going in into high school you know it, it's already a very awkward time in most people's lives. You felt awkward as a freshman? Oh man, are you oh, kidding me? Oh man, me too. But, but so when feeling awkward and then having that immense sense of loss of a friend, it's, a, it's, it's totally different, right? Yeah. And those are, those are things that I'll carry with me forever. I, I've even talked to my kids about it to where there's a part of me I always say feels like I'm 17 forever because of how much I, I went through from like 17 to 19. So are you telling me there was more than one friend in oh, your friend group yes. that died by suicide? Y yes, so there was, I mean, I probably should have counted, but there were one, two, three, four, I think there were five suicides, and it, there was a family member who attempted suicide. There was a childhood friend two childhood friends one overdosed and one died in his sleep oh my gosh in what period of time it, this, did this is happen? literally from like 17 to 19 mostly and then there was one that was right after so that. close like to 10 close deaths together. in two years and that's just that that i mean there were some uh an aunt um aunt and my grandmother and my and my dad's i mean there was it was wow. a it was a very uh short window so you lot had a of lot loss. of people to grieve. Yes. Over ten people, it sounds like. Yes. In a two-year span of time. Yeah. Okay. So, take me back to when you learned about the first one. What what did, what was that like for you? Oh man. So it's it's really the second one that stands out. If I'm being okay. honest, um, my friend Rolando Sanchez, who. His uncle and my older brother were really good friends, okay. and I knew Rolando from playing baseball and football. And he he had he was really good friends with one of my good friends' younger brothers. We all it, we all knew each other, right? Sure. We all circle of friends, right? absolutely. And he was dating a girl that lived in the buildings that I lived in. We lived in like row houses, a town, sure. like a townhouse. Sure. And I, I saw him that the, the day that day. And yeah. I had to ask him if he needed a ride home, and he was like, "No, this is middle, this is January in so Chicago. It's cold. it's cold. The it's windy freezing. city. There's a yeah. reason they call it that." And I, I, my friend Sabrina lived on the very end building, so I would pass that building every time in and out. And mm -hmm. he happened to be out on the porch, and I asked him if he needed a ride, and he's like, "No, I'm good. My uncle's coming to get me. Whatever." And then walking into school that next day. And I saw his sister crying at school, and I, di I didn't really know what was what was going on. And I, I walked up, and she couldn't speak. And my friend Sabrina came over to me and gave me a big hug, and was like, "Rolando died last night." And wow. I, it was—I mean, you want to talk about being hit with a ton of bricks? Did everything stop? That's what I have heard from a lot of people. It's kind of like. A slow motion is happening around you when you hear the news. Yeah, I, I would say to me, honestly, it, it felt the opposite because my my s the senses became much more aware, and I could mm -hmm. see it wasn't just his sister crying; it was 
her friends that were around here, there they was a group knew. off to the side and a few other people on each side. So it was like all of a sudden, like the pieces this, come they together. all came together oh, at once. Man. Yeah. That must have caused a big, um, I can just think about those moments when you're like, this is not real. Like, and you're looking around, but you see, like, you, you're, sometimes the brain has a really hard time processing, like, news that feels unbelievable. And then you're seeing everybody around you, so that's like the confirmation that what was just told to you yeah. is actually happening. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that was, and you were how old at this time? That was my senior year, so I think I just turned 17. And senior year already comes with like a huge yeah. bag of like, oh my God, what am I doing next, right? Like, yeah. there's a lot of fun, I don't know about you, but senior year was also very fun. But uh, in the nighttime, when I was thinking about things, I remember having a lot of anxiety senior year, thinking I'm gonna become an adult now. Now I'm, now what do I do next? So to then be, lose a yeah. good friend in the midst of like the normal like senior-itis stuff. Yeah, well that, uh, you, you say it perfectly because through that, the, the plan for me after high school is actually to go to the Marine Corps. And okay. I grew up in a neighborhood that was right next to a uh, strip mall oh. that that had a military recruiting mm -hmm. office in it. And the Marines would always be out there and the recruits would be out there running on Wednesdays. And a lot of times me and a few kids in the neighborhood would run with them. The drill instructors loved it because loved it, we would usually be able to do more pull-ups and push-ups and all that stuff. That's those awesome. Because we were, we were much smaller And they than could them. totally yeah. like give oh, the yeah. guys they, a hard time. They, like, they don't let it. these high schoolers <laughs> show you up. Like. They, they, they absolutely loved it. And That's awesome. I, I had, I actually talked two people into going into the Marines. Wow. One was a really good friend of mine, uh, Nick Anala, and unfortunately he didn't, he didn't graduate high school. He knew he was gonna have to do summer school, and we were supposed to ship to basic training early August. That wasn't gonna work. And so what happened was, is I had made some plans. They, they said, okay, we can push it off. You guys can go on the buddy system. I forget what they changed it to, October or something like that. Um, I'm trying to remember the details. I can't recall so you, fully. You were but gonna wait that, for him to yes, go to boot we, camp we together. Yes, we were gonna go together. Okay. Um, and so I had a really good friend that lived in Arkansas. We had high school graduation and me and my friend, I had high school graduation. He came up for it from Arkansas and I drove back to Arkansas with him. I was gonna spend two weeks there and then come back and then yeah. figure out the Marine Corps thing. And and literally we left that night and got to Arkansas that, that next day, you know, pretty late. Yeah. And the following morning the phone rang and it was my mom and she had told me that uh, my friend Nick had, had killed himself. And so another person yeah. who died by suicide. Is this number three? That is, at that point, that's technically number three. There was, the first one, I wasn't super close with him, but we played sure. basketball growing up from the same neighborhood. So, okay, um, so in one high school? Yes. What was going on? That's a, if I could, what if, could I, you, if what I had could you a nickel, I, if I had a nickel for every, I think that that group was really on the front end of what you're seeing a lot more now. You you hear about it a lot more now. I mean, was there bullying? No, was there I, like 
uncertainty? Maybe there was like substance abuse. Was there anything going on that was? Yeah, with the first one, I I, I couldn't tell you because in the high school we didn't stay close. Yeah. You know, Rolando had everybody has issues, right? I mean, he yeah. he had some of his own issues. Uh, you know, Nick, I'm sure had some of his own issues. Yeah. And the, uh, one of the most impactful questions I've ever tried to answer going through uh, like some therapy and group therapy about it was what do you do if if you don't know and most of the time you don't know you don't know and with Nick I felt like I knew and that's one that I've carried with me very deeply because so you have to forgive yourself I, for I, yes yeah. yes and and I, that's the question I've asked like I felt like I, I had that sixth sense that something was wrong I left for Arkansas from his house because oh. I, I could tell something was up and I made it a point to go see him before I had left and my my suspicion was right and obviously now I there's probably nothing I could have done I don't know if there's anything I could have done but it's definitely something that I've carried with me and, and yeah. wished I had maybe stayed an extra day. I've second guessed. That's a decision I second guessed. I'm guess. sure. Yeah. We, anytime we lose a loved one, friend, or family, or otherwise, I think that's part of the grieving process. Um, dying by suicide is the result of a behavioral health issue becoming fatal. Yeah. Right? Like. If you don't manage your diabetes, the diabetic coma, and then later on death is the result of that disease, um, you're dying by it, right? Yeah. And it's interesting because I think, I'm gonna guess this was in the 90s when this was happening? This was, yeah, I you graduated in 97. Okay, yeah. so we graduated a year yeah. different from each other, I'm yeah. 98, you're 97. I know in my peer group at that time, um, I don't feel like I had any and I had good friends, but I don't feel like I was going to share with them when I was having anxiety right. or issues. Um, I don't know that I really felt I could talk to my parents. Most of us at that age don't really trust the counselors, right? Like, so who do you talk to? Who, I mean, it's usually you know, a stranger. It's like a honest. stranger, it, it, or you, maybe you have always is. right, or maybe <laughs> you have a f one friend who you can confide in. And that's a lot for another teenager to know yeah. what to do. Like even if, um, and I'm sorry, your friend's name was? Nick. Nick. So even if Nick had been honest, or not honest, that's not the right thing. If Even open. if it had been open, open yeah. or felt comfortable to share with you that um, he was really in a lot of pain and that he had had suicidal ideation, it doesn't, what, what would you have done? You know, that like what would one person at 17 yeah. years old do in order to help? I mean, I, I don't know what the answer I'll, looks I'll like. I'll say this, is that, so going back, we had talked to, a, you know, a lot of the families, the friends and all that, and when you know somebody who has died from suicide, you're six times more likely if you're in that mental state to also. attempt. Yeah. Oh. And that's been a burden I know my, my dear friend Alex has thought about because Rolando was one of the first ones. Yeah. I, I know he's, if he hasn't, he needs to forgive himself, right? But I'm, I'm sure he has. Yeah. But that's something that 
a stat that we learned. And that, that wow. may have changed between then and now. It may be even more likely now, to be honest, wow. because it is more. It's a lot to it, process it, it, when it, you it, lose somebody. It is more common. I think with, with Nick, if I really, really knew, I, I knew, his, I feel like I knew his dad well enough and I knew his brother well enough. If I really thought, like deep down, if, if I would have got that vibe for like without a shadow of a doubt, I, I, I feel like I would have at least said something or called somebody. Yeah. But p people are great at hiding pain. Everybody yes. you meet in life is going through something That's and true. you would never know. You would never know whether it's personally, relationship-wise, work-wise, so financially, mentally, physically. There's so many things that people deal with that you just never know. I mean, we've seen that so recently when some um, people that we would not have expected to be in such pain. Yeah. I mean, it was a big shock for me when I learned about Robin Williams. I mean, he literally right. is like the funniest, ever. to me, the funniest guy. Like, I can recite so many lines from Good Morning Vietnam. <laughs> I mean, literally, I, I, can, I, can just, I can hear his voice in my head right now. And I think that was a big eye-opener yeah. for me when going, like seeing that publicly and I'm thinking, oh my gosh. Like how many just average Joes are hiding their feelings because of yeah. like shame or the stigma or whatever weird things that go, go yeah, all of it yeah. and not wanting to be judged. I mean, and just, or thinking I'm strong enough to beat this. I think that's another overwhelming like thing that happens with a lot of people is they don't think this is gonna take them down yeah. until the day when it can take them down. Um, I think it's interesting and I wonder, I truly wonder if that's what caused that phenomenon in your friend group because that's a lot of young people to pass away in a very short period of time. In a very short period of time, pretty much. I mean, know, that's. In pretty much all in the same fashion. That's yeah. intense. Yeah, y you wow. know, I, I, I think the, the most important thing to to that I could say to anybody that is extremely insecure to the point of really struggling mentally is congratulations you're normal because most of us feel that way yes right but when did M you most of us feel that way. when did you have that moment where you were like okay everybody's insecure like what age were you when you started to realize like the popular people popular people in high school also felt this exact same awkward, weird way? Because it, it is true. Yeah. But when did you discover that? So this is going to sound so bad. <laughs> Was so it the class reunion? No, no. no this, <laughs> I, I, it's a couple of things. It's not one, but it's a couple. But there's a story in here. Getting into sales mm. and being in a position where you have to meet and then adapt to, to different Yes. personalities and needs yeah. uh, all types of different relationships culture yeah. ev everything from the prince to the pauper if you will yeah it really opened my eyes to see especially in in mortgage right you're you, here these people are welcoming a stranger essentially into their home with a credit report 
And, yeah, and telling but, them yeah, all their financials exactly, and right, like right. everything so, about themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you get a different window into people's life doing that. Mm -hmm. and, and getting into that and into sales and having to be so adaptive, it, it made me almost grateful for the name calling and teasing early on because Thick the, the, skin. Yeah, it, yeah, I developed thick skin in sales. You hear no a lot. You you yes. even get some colorful language sometimes. I need a hell no <laughs> in order for me to walk away. It's it's true, and so over a period of time in my early twenties, mid twenties, and really starting to recognize that and understand yeah. that the difficult times have really built me in a way that. I can relate to most Well, because you went into sales right away. Right, you said in 99 is right when away. You, so you literally yeah. two years out of high school. Right away. Wow. Well, and, but, and, and before I, I, while I was doing the cold calling, I, so I didn't end up going to the Marines, obviously. I can't um, call you a jarhead. So yeah. Just, and and listen, I, I struggle with that too. I mean, I came from a, my dad was in the military, my brother was in the military, cousin, like I, I I very much, I volunteered for it, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, there were some colorful words with the recruiter that didn't fit well. Not his fault, not his fault, <laughs> I, I, but e either way. So getting into sales, right, literally right out of high school, I started selling furniture and on my days off, I would go and do the cold calling. That's when I started doing the cold calling. Oh, wow. And eventually I was doing that well enough and, and then got into originating full-time. It's an interesting thing <laughs> you say about the cold calling. Most most of the salespeople that I know, include, inclusive of myself, we start out cold calling. Yeah. I mean, I remember my first sales job was like, well, my first sales job was um, collections. And a lot of people don't view collections as sales, but it's truly like the <laughs> hardest sales job ever. Yeah. You want to convince somebody they should pay you before anybody else. And in that role, I had to make 175 dials a day. Mm. I mean, that's like that's a lot. That's nutso. Um, and that's before multi-line dialers. Yeah, I'm sure. no, I was on a dialer. Okay, okay I was literally I, one at a time. Or? I don't know if yeah. it was a multi-line yeah. dialer. I'm not sure of that. I don't remember the technology. Yeah. But I this would have been in like probably 2003 or four. Yeah. And fun. and I remember thinking like, is this my life? <laughs> People will be yelling at me all the time. I mean, really, truly, like yeah. cold calling, it's one of those activities. Um, I think it's similar, like if you work in a restaurant or you work in retail where you do learn something about yourself, right? You have to be thick-skinned and you cannot take things personally. I mean, it's a really, really, really great character builder. Um, but it's interesting from you coming from this very difficult end to your like high school career yeah, and yeah. then getting Beginning into adulthood really yeah right? like, like and then getting into a really like pretty tough gig of like yeah. well furniture sales isn't easy either i loved furniture honestly but at we least it's so pretty uncomfortable we, we had well that was the thing it was so different <laughs> yeah. i mean that was our favorite thing like you would jump up on the couch or you'd slap the dresser like look Something, how strong it is yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we had fun and it was a great group that and i what I grew up in a pretty diverse neighborhood, and the furniture store I worked at was very similar. And, nice. And being able to be around some some people who had just a vastly different upbringing and education. I mean, there was a guy 
shout out to Kareem. I don't know where he's at now, but this guy spoke nine languages. Oh my gosh. Fluently. And he would he could talk to anybody. And he was one of the smartest people I, I knew. And it's, so seeing that and being around people who were just so different from just the kids in the neighborhood yeah. at, a, at, a, at like right at 17, 18. Not everybody gets that. Yeah, yeah, not everybody gets that worldview. I mean, Chicago is a pretty diverse city. Um, Detroit as well. Yeah. But I don't know if it's like this in Chicago. Detroit tends to be a little bit um, segmented. Yeah, so you've Chicago's got different similar. neighborhoods yeah, of different Chicago's ethnicities. Similar. Chinatown. Yeah, yeah. Village, yeah. But you can, like, I do feel like there is a lot of diversity in that. And it yeah. does help you to know how to, like, interact with lots of different kinds of people when yeah. you have that exposure. But um, let's get back to, so, so you Only went through the, uh, that. Moment, yeah. yeah, well, so <laughs> I, before we touch on that, and I will get to the aha moment, you know, at, and, and it leads up to the aha moment. So you went through this tremendous amount of um, loss. Yeah. I mean, of so many people, the grieving process, what did that look like for you? You know, when you're, when you're a teenager, you, you really don't know how to fully grieve. Yeah, that's uh, why I'm uh, wondering. Yeah, it, it, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't some in there lingering still. Yeah. Certainly there was the wrong way a lot of times as a teenager. Do you think that yeah. when you say the wrong way, let's just well, be, I mean, let's be drinking bold and underage. honest. Yeah, I, I wasn't really big into drugs. Yeah, so let's thing, just be yeah, bold and honest. Yeah. Like most people that are younger, not just teenagers, I mean, and not just younger people, even people our age, when they're grieving, they do gravitate towards mind altering substances because why? Yeah. They want to get away from that pain and they want to feel better. Um, do you think it ever helped? That's a great question. I'll tell you, I'll, it's going to sound crazy to say this, but it, it brought our friend group together. It gave us a reason to say, let's congregate, let's get together. Yeah. As maybe, and maybe it was around the wrong thing of having a few beers or, you know, a house party or what have you. But it gave us a reason to to remain tight, and mm -hmm. and honestly, those some those kids that we all went through that, we've most of us have remained in touch throughout. I I, I look at some That's awesome. I look at some friends and even even family members who don't talk to anybody from their childhood, yeah. And I still have some pretty close friends. I, I have one friend that lives out here in Chandler. I've known him since kindergarten. We still oh. talk. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and so again, it's one of those things where it wasn't the it probably it definitely wasn't the right thing to do, but it felt like the right thing to do. Of we all just really needed each other in those moments. Yeah, and we we did probably have one too many. We probably got into some trouble too. Yeah. I'm sure there were some fights in there, but I'm sure. we we all leaned on each other. That was our grieving process: was being friends and being together and staying close-knit and we we definitely talked about it and we we had a I, I think most of the kids parents uh, were also very open to allowing us to vent sometimes yeah and, and I was gonna ask how what were the, what was the role of the parents yeah there, there's definitely a few parent parents in there that were on the front edge of let it out yeah. what's going on what are you kids up to how are you yeah that's important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Mm. You know, you look back and as as I look back, I I definitely had moments of weakness. And there's times I think like I could have been somebody who was telling this story about me, mm. right? And but the, the the reality of it is is that the the strength of the community and the friends and the parents and and even my family it's it's really the thing that that gets you through and, That's and, a really and one important. more one more day and and just can not quitting not giving up so having a support network yeah and and it sounds like you did have that i'm sure maybe some of your friends who um are not here today they probably had a support network too, but they maybe didn't know how to reach out. I mean, I'm sure, sure. there's lots of different reasons. Um, they're here though, I, b I believe. Well, yeah, so they're, 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 they're not in their physical bodies, right? Yeah. But they're here, that's true. Very, very good point. I've had many a conversations yeah, with, with like, many people over say, the years. I'm like, I don't know how to say <laughs> that correctly. Their vessels uh, are different today, you know? And so it's, I think it's really amazing. Um, I didn't start losing high school friends till later on in life, like I'm starting to now. Yeah. For people, and most of it's people who um, just really took the wrong—I don't want to say the wrong direction, but they took the direction of um, crime or drug use, and sure. their bodies can't do it anymore. Um, but I just, man, like I have to commend you. I mean, I'm thinking back to how my 19 and 18-year-old brain. Um, I don't know how I would have processed that. I, I don't, that's very difficult. And it's very difficult to come out of that and then to jump into a career of sales like pretty quickly. You must have had a really strong or started to have a pretty strong sense of self at that time. You, you, know, you know, it, it really, I, I wouldn't say it was a strong sense of self. I, I've al always been somebody who don't challenge me. Don't set an expectation that I can't. Don't tell do, me I yeah, can't do it. Correct, because uh, honestly, if you would have asked anybody in high school, teachers, friends, they would not think I would have. Nobody would have guessed the path I've had. What was the path the they would have had for you? They, well, most of them still think I went. Some, you know, some of the ones <laughs> I haven't the seen since then. So, they, did you go to the Marines? No, I actually didn't go. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, look, I I grew up in a in sub suburbia, right? Yeah. In a, in a pretty nice suburban area. The direct neighborhood I was in definitely had its rough spots. Huh. I think if most, I think most people would have thought I would have had a very regular life. Yeah. Nothing, and not not to sound, I don't want this to sound brag bragging or braggadocious, or like any of that, like. In the most humble way, if I, I'm pretty certain, I don't know what everybody did right after high school, but I'm pretty sure I was one of the first, if not the first, in my group to like start making money. real money and, yeah. and start cracking six figures and yeah. and you know doing some of those things. And I don't think anybody would have guessed that early on. And so to to the point of one one of the moments where I really realized sort of like I need to stop looking looking back so much was yeah. and this is gonna sound terrible, I'm sorry. No no no. Nothing sounds but, terrible. But so one of my friends had had just bought a condo, actually two of them, had just bought a condo downtown recently, downtown Chicago, and we went out to meet them, a bunch of us, and 
we went to this sort of like upscale loungy place, which Chicago. Swanky. Yeah, sort of. Like Chicago has a lot of dark nightclubs. Yeah. And, and like that, and there's yeah. the whole thing. This was like well lit, nice furniture, kind of nice. neat, right? And I, I remember I wore this outfit and I had cream color pants on. And it was us, and there was a group of girls sitting like in the couch next to us. And you know, the two groups started talking, and w one girl comes at me like, "You're not supposed to wear white after Labor Day." Oh <laughs> I was my like, God! What are you, I break that rule. What too. are you talking about? I like, I'll be the first to say, and my wife will confirm. Fashion is not my thing. I could literally go to the house and. In sweats every day. Talk about a mortgage. You know <laughs> exactly, all, about that, all that. Fashion, not so much. But, but so, kind of like to, you know, get back or thumb at them. I I ordered a couple bottles of Crystal, <laughs> which at that time that was kind of the thing. Oh that, yeah, that, that was, was like this baller like status, right? Early two thousands. Yeah. And seeing that group of friends all of a sudden really want that group of girls really wanted to. Talk Oh. Our friends. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, people really are that shallow. Sorry, yeah. I don't know where those people are right now, those <laughs> women, but but that like that signaled to me like subconsciously that people really truly don't care. If you don't do the things for you that make you happy, that you want to go out and do, and I had put myself mm -hmm. in a position where doing something like that for my friends, it wasn't, it, it, like in all honesty, it wasn't really to get back at the girls, although we knew they were gonna look, you know. Probably wanted yeah, to test I it wanted, out, Yeah, right? I wanted to celebrate my friends, and I was like, okay, what's the most expensive bottle? Let's see what happens. And, and like, through that, I just realized that, it's, it, I, I hate that it sounds so shallow, but, <laughs> but it was like one of those things where I, I said, I, I need to just go out and take care of me. Nobody else can tell me how to dress. Don't tell me. Mm. I know I live my life the right way and what I've gotten through to get here to spend X amount of dollars on a stupid bottle of how champagne. How old were you at that moment? It's probably 24. Wow, that's 20, a lot of insight yeah. for a 24-year-old. You were, I think, ahead of the curve. It, I don't it, think I had some of those insights till a little bit later on. I mean... You know, it's interesting. You had a lot of character building things happen. Yeah, and for sure. And it's awesome to see that that came out and that sort of insight and um, that you had the ability to understand the depth of your own person and that even that you in self-reflection talking about that realize the surface part of it, yeah. but also like the more like profound meaning that it had to you. Like you were, you realized that I have to do this for myself. I have to put myself out there. I am going to take care of myself. A lot of people are surface. Like that's yeah. a, a lot of lessons that came out of that <laughs> one interesting experience. <laughs> we still laugh about that. I love it though. I love it. I love it. Yeah, you know what, man? Nothing feels better than to be like, yeah. It, it was a total like <laughs> underestimation of this guy who clearly doesn't know anything about right. fashion to wear cream to, oh, maybe you might be okay to talk to. Yeah, yeah. But I, 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 I point to that, and I'll be perfectly honest, it, it really was driven home about a year and a half ago, some of that self-assurance in getting on video 
And that was a that was a long road to really show up on video. Look where you're at today. I, I, exactly. Like I have no problem, and it 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 really truly made me. I had already subconsciously, I think, owned some of my insecurities. I, I've always felt pretty secure in who I, I am. Yeah. But it's different when you put it out to the internet, which lives forever and yes. can be mean. Very true. And going through that process of getting on video about a year and a half ago, and this last year and a half of really just saying, whatever world, this is me, take it or leave it. and. Love that. That's just really kind of it. I, I don't, I, I literally just came from meeting with an agent and we had this same conversation. I, this is me. I can't change this. There's nothing I can do. You shouldn't change it. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to. Yeah. I, as many scars as I may have inside or out, it's just, it's who I am. And you wouldn't I, be Tim I, I would, I without that. I wouldn't want to be anyone else. I couldn't yeah. be anyone else. Well, that's really... It sounds simple to say that, but I would say you're leaps and bounds ahead of many, many people. It's I think e it's many so easy people in this don't. Era yeah. Where aesthetically you see the Instagram or you see the, the social media and. And there's filters you, yes, and there's yes. surgeries and there's all these things to change how we look. And, 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 and I refuse to use filters. Yeah, I was like going to say. Once in a billion. And I don't <laughs> judge anybody. I mean, People, and they have their own reasons for wanting to use a filter or like to modify the body. I don't mean it that that's negative. It's totally the, the individual's choice. 100%. It's also, um, for me personally, I very much respect a person that loves the skin they're in just as is. You know what am, I mean? Am, am I and perfect? I'm not perfect. Like, like, do I wish I had, you know, a better looking face? Of course I do. Do I wish I lost a few pounds? Of course I do. I wish I, you know, a few things. Do but do you I, love yeah, yourself I'll without being perfect? Does, Are you perfect is, for I don't yourself? Believe, I really don't believe in perfect, if right. I'm being honest. I, I, as crazy as that might sound, life is an ever evolving thing. And per perfection really only lasts a very small inkling of time and it moves. And so well, and then like, what is perfection? We could go down that whole rabbit hole. Yeah, but well. it was, I wanted to back up on something. It was interesting when, when I was mentioning like how people view themselves as younger people and then like later on, I know like when you were, I mean, I remember being like in my 20s, late 20s, probably early 30s, and there was um, a, a guy that I went to high school with and he was, he was so mean to me in high school. He was so mean. And as an adult, we knew each other again. And we kind of built a little bit of a friendship. Um, and he one day called me. Now we were probably about 25 or 26 at this point. And he apologized for the way that he had been in high school. He said, you know, you've really turned out to be such a great friend and I'm so sorry for bullying you. I was awful to you and I'm like, well, I don't think it was just me. And he was like, it wasn't just you. It was a lot of people. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he ended up pretty soon after that dying by suicide himself. Mm. And I thought about that poignant conversation of him telling me how he had bullied so many people. And it was almost as if he was going through that Rolodex of people to like make amends so that he could 
be at peace with himself. It's not uncommon. You know, and I, I don't know if he ever got to be at peace with himself um, before that pain took over for him. But it's interesting. He was a very popular guy. He played all the sports. He um, just, I mean, I would have never known this person was dealing with the type of insecurity and pain that they were dealing with. So it's interesting that we're even touching on that portion of the topic because the truth is, is even as adults, we don't really know what's yeah. going on in somebody's brain, you know, and, and it's really like, that's kind of the point of this podcast. Like, I'm hoping that somebody hears us talk about this today. You can get through it. I promise you can. And if you can't, yeah. call me. Yeah. I mean, I, I've said this on podcasts before, like you can DM. Yeah. Um, there is a new resource. It, it goes back to what I said. Congratulations. You're normal. You have yeah. insecurity. You have doubt. Yeah. You... And I, look, just in the spirit of being vulnerable, my oldest has, has struggled at a point with with uh, her own insecurities, and dealing with it as a parent is is even that's tough. Ten times harder yeah. as going through it with because you want to like parent them through it, right? You yeah. want to tell them it's going to be okay, and you want to take all the pain from your kids. That's kind of a natural Absolutely. like reaction to your child. One thousand. And then you can't control everything. You, you, you can't. can't. And I, th I think having conversations with my, my two daughters, I have, we have, my wife and I have four kids. They're all teenagers now, but at, at the time, um, you know, the two girls were teenagers. And driving home the point of what I went through, I, I have a, a box at home that has a, literally a stack of, of prayer cards it looks like a deck of cards mm -hmm. and wow. just just understanding that these moments of weakness are not what define you they just really mm -hmm. are not it, it's it's a moment of time it's an those early teenage years uh, you know really through f for some it's, it's ongoing forever yeah. not feeling like you fit in but you, you do fit in. There is a place for everybody in this world. I truly believe that. Yeah. I, I think my wife and I did a as good a job as we could, you know, le like coming down to their level and having conversations with, with all of our kids. We're pretty open. We don't hide too many things. We don't, yeah. there's not, you know, we don't, we don't live in a sugar-coated world. We just don't. Right. And to, not that you want to, you know, force the innocence out of your kid, but you also prepare wanna, that, yeah, right? Have be realistic, and you know, unfortunately, in their lifetime, they've lost some pretty close family members, grandma and grandpa, and mm -hmm. that kind of thing, and so they've they've experienced that, and whether whether that becomes a blessing in disguise is really only only yet to be seen. They're still young. Your situation was yeah. unique, though. It's it's very different. Losing a family member who's lived their life. Yeah. It's very different losing them versus a peer that's very healthy, different. like appears to be healthy, I should say. You have a different kind of relationship. You have hopes. I mean, I don't know about you, but I had hopes for my friends. Like, yeah. I would think, like, oh, so-and-so's going to do. They're so smart. Like, they're going to do. You. We have hopes for each other. Even in high school, I, yeah. I remember feeling like, you know, I think that person's going to do this. And, yeah. you know, just like it, you have hopes for your friends and you, you have hopes for that they'll maybe have a family someday and you can like 
have barbecues and have the kids over and then the kids could be friends like you were friends and you know and then when that all of a sudden doesn't happen i have a couple of friends that crazy my my kids are friends with and it's so neat to see the kids kids yeah yeah oh that's super cool super neat to see you know what i do too but most of my friends are still in detroit yeah but we do i have it's it's so crazy when the kids get together and i'm like oh my gosh we have kids yeah. that are playing together like oh my gosh wait a minute i'm not old enough to have kids are you and, like <laughs> and literally i i out of habit my kids call all of my friends aunt or uncle right and yeah so my kids it's too. just it's maybe that's a midwest thing I don't it, know. it is yeah so, so there's already immediately i'm meeting them there's like a, a feeling of being close yeah but i was going to say you know to your point is that my, when my grandmother passed away, she was 93 or 94, had her mind the whole way through. I would mm. sign right now on the dotted line for 93. Like, Dang. literally. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's without, a great without life. Without a question. That's a great life. She is a fat man. One day, we'll have to tell her story one day because it's Ooh. super fascinating. I've got a few part twos. Like, I have had a few guests that are like, I have this other story. So <laughs> I'm totally open to part twos. I love it. Um, so I want to know, I mean, I, you, in the beginning of this podcast, you told us what you do for your work. Um, you told us a little bit about it, but I really, I'm, I'm going to ask you to give yourself a shout out. I want to know, tell me what, you know, things that you've accomplished. Tell me what you're doing to give back to your community today. Tell me about Tim today. Yeah, I'm, I, I really am humble, but there's a part of me that always feels like if you need a mortgage, I'm the best person you could talk to. <laughs> And I would bet if you had this room full of mortgage people, they would say the same thing. Well, they should, right? But, you know, I've always, I feel extremely fortunate that I came up in the industry with a company that was about culture and taking care of the client and putting other needs in front of any kind of monetary value. I know there's always flack on real estate agents and mortgage people and are they overpaid and... all those things I can tell you I came up in an industry I do not look at a client as a dollar value I just don't or a transaction none of that it's just not how a person yeah 100% my job in having that conversation is to help them and if you help somebody the way they are looking for the help you you really don't be you're not a salesperson you lose that part of the process because mm-hmm. you're providing the value that they came looking for absolutely and so i've always approached it that way and feel very fortunate that i'm one of those people certainly mortgage guys got and gals got a really bad name in the crash and some of them rightfully so i'll yeah. be the first to say there were some that you made it through that yeah, crash, didn't I, you? I, I did. I, I, again, going back to the company I work for. Have we, you been with the same company no, for a long time? or This one, I've yeah. been with this current company with Pivot for two years. Okay. The, the company I work for it was a broker shop called Enterprise Mortgage back in, in Illinois. They had an office there, office here. And we focused super heavy on FHA lending, even through the whole subprime thing. Mm-hmm. That was a very small fraction of what we did and only did those loans in, in the event of necessity. Or So a lot of your clients weren't caught in that bubble. There were plenty that were okay. because people lost jobs, That's values true. went down. That's true. People didn't know what to do. 
they did, the government certainly handled it very different the last time around than yeah. on the front end of COVID where they offered forbearance. That really wasn't a thing. Yeah. Not that it wasn't, but it just wasn't as widespread. Right. Yeah. That's a whole nother topic of adversity that you've gotten <laughs> through, isn't it? You know, the crash. I'm, I mean, listen, again, I, you invited me on, and this is about being vulnerable. I, like m most people in the crash, I lost some property. Yeah. And it, you had to it, rebuild, I right? had to rebuild 100%. I, I know I, a lot of people that had to yeah. rebuild that were really successful. Um, actually, um, episode number one, we talked about it. And it was crazy because at that time I worked for the Phoenix Chamber of Commerce and I started in the chamber in 2007, the beginning of 2007. And it was about a year later when everything, the proverbial, you know what, hit the fan. And it was mm. so crazy because um, some businesses that had been around for a very yeah. long time that were very solid businesses, um, we had just celebrated some of the 100-year anniversaries for some businesses, and they, um, unfortunately, they were out of business, and it was very difficult. Um, but it's interesting. So how did you pull out of all of that? Man, uh, yeah, that, it was tough. I, I'll be I'd be lying if I said it was anything short of extremely difficult. Yeah. You know, losing, you know, losing certainly income change, losing property, which caused us to lose our house. Yeah. Um, and having to completely make changes and and start over, it it was hard. It Talk was, about it was, digging deep. Yeah. Huh? I mean, I, I, again, it goes back to I I don't know how to give up. I've my that I think that's the understatement yeah, of this I mean, podcast okay clearly you keep going I mean you don't give up yeah are, are there some times in my life where I probably could have used taking a step back to go forward absolutely but hind hindsight's 2020 I mean what 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 can you do right you look back and and you have to live with the decision you can't re that paint is dry yeah. that paint's dry yeah right so all you can do is take the next step so true so very very true well um i usually ask uh are there any books that you're reading right now are there any things are you a book reader or audio podcast audio. okay uh shout out to renee rodriguez because i'm just getting started on amplify your influence awesome if you haven't his podcast and his and many people have told me his book is fantastic so tell the name again tell the podcast amplify your influence by renee rodriguez and it's on any podcast. He like? has a podcast. He and he has that book. And that, oh, that's the book. Okay, that's gotcha. The book. Amplify your influence is the book, and I, I, it just came available on audio. So if you want an audio, I have a hard copy. I'll probably end up buying the audio also, yeah, <laughs> just because yeah, yeah. it's easier. But big fan of Renee Rodriguez. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way they could reach out to you? I think the easiest way is all of my social handles are Tim Knows Loans, or you can go to, uh, on your internet browser, Tim10K.com. That's my digital card. Tim, the number 10, letter K.com is my digital card. Awesome. Well, I have to say thank you. What an incredible story. I mean, you certainly have overcome some really 
really like intense obstacles um, from the very beginning of your existence. And it's hard to see all of this through camera, but you have a great energy about you. <laughs> I remember when we did our phone call with you and your team, um, you even work, I mean, everybody that I've met surrounding you, it's like, you guys all have this great energy and yeah. that the birds of a feather flock together is, I think, true for you. I hope so. And I want to attract that energy. I yeah. did, you did ask me a question that I want to make sure I touch on, though, before okay, we go. Me. So you asked about community involvement. And oh, I yeah, think, of course. I think that's super important. I, I have really tried to adopt profit with a purpose as much as possible. Awesome. I've, over the last four or five years here in Phoenix have been a part of the Leukemia Lymphoma Society awesome. where I've helped raise money in, in memory of my uncle and, and really in honor of the, I can't even tell you how many people have come Are you running for man of the year anytime soon? You know, they want me to run next year. Let's do it. I'll support I, you. <laughs> come on. Sarah Mayer is going to be really happy to hear you I'll say support that. you doing that. But I supported my dear friend Lindsay Schwartz on her Woman of the Year campaign this year. I've I've done the light the night more frequently, which oh, is their walk. Oh yes. But so I've I've been deep in the streets, as they say, with Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and and in the last two years, I've also volunteered with State Forty Eight Foundation, which is oh, birthed yes. out of the State Forty Eight T-shirt brand. Two years ago, they opened up a foundation arm. And so I've helped volunteer. What do they do? Tell me a little yeah, bit more about yeah, what they do. Yeah, State, the State 48 Foundation is really, really about enriching the lives of all Arizonans. Certainly we're here based in Phoenix, so there's a lot more stuff that happens here in Phoenix, but they, they have a, a really desire to connect with youth, entrepreneurs, and small business around the valley. Awesome. And, and create meaningful partnerships. Uh, on the, on the for-profit side, they've partnered with many nonprofits and help them raise a ton of money, which is how I initially met them is they did a t-shirt with Leukemia Lymphoma Society, which I helped set up. We raised a bunch of money a couple years in a row with that. And when they decided to do their foundation, I was like, you know, you guys were super helpful in raising money and awareness for LLS when I was doing that. I would love to help you guys on your mission. So we're actually in the heart of our our main program of the year, which is the Entrepreneur Speaker Series. Okay. So next Wednesday is part four of four sessions. It's the last session. Okay. Uh, on, on Wednesday, six to eight at Walter Studios in downtown Phoenix. I can't remember who's speaking, but the topic for next week is uh, systems and process. Nice. So we, it's a four-part system. The first one was your vision and why. Part two was legal and finance. Yesterday was marketing, and then next week is uh, systems and process. Oh, the four pillars of having a successful business. Yeah. I think that's really yeah. awesome. Well, I'm going to um, challenge you to something. Okay. So before we do part two, I would love for you to run for Man of the Year. <laughs> I, I'm going to challenge you on my podcast to okay. do such a thing. I think you got it. You're already very involved in that organization and community. I'd love to see you on the billboard. That's what happens when you win Man of the Year. I, you get I actually a lot got a of billboard a couple years ago for Light the Night. Yeah, it's it's really good, and, yeah. and I think you have what it takes to, to earn that. So I'm going to challenge you 
on that. It doesn't have to be this year, but I would love to see you do it. And when you do do it, I would love to support you in that, okay? I'll, I'll say this. It, it is on my lifetime achievement goals to raise $50,000 in a calendar year for Leukemia Lymphoma Society. If you raise $50,000 as an individual, you get what's called the Hero Award, which okay. they then allow you to name a portfolio of research. And so I've always wanted to do that and name that in memory of my Uncle Ray, who was really why I started raising money for LLS and, and to get started. It. So it is. I don't know if this year is the year, Doesn't have but to it be is on year. my list of things to do. When you and it's decide. A I'll just say, it is a commitment. It's a family decision, so yes. you're challenging the I'm whole challenging family. I'm challenging the whole family, <laughs> and when it makes sense, I'll be there to support you that. in that campaign, I whatever that. I can do to help. I think that's amazing, and I think that um, I've, I've known a few of the people who've run and successfully become men and women of the year. Uh, and they're really incredible people, and I think you're of the exact same cloth that they are and would be an excellent person to have uh, okay. that honor and that would earn the honor. So I, I, I challenge you to do that. It doesn't have to be next year, but when it happens, I'm here for you. And gotcha. I think that's amazing, and that's a really great way to give back. Le Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is hands down a really, amazing. really amazing organization. Amazing. And um, they're lucky to have you, too. Uh, they're amazing, literally. You can look through their, I mean, they've dedicated so much to research. Yeah. I don't know what the numbers are at now, but the last I looked, it was like 47 of the last 54 FDA-approved treatments for blood cancer were funded by them. Yeah. They, they fully believe in, in funding the research. My stepmom is a recent survivor of leukemia, yeah, and God bless. it was, uh, everything was, a lot of the stuff that ended up curing her um, was like through experimental stuff or things that were just in the like early stages yeah. of FDA approval. Yeah. Um, and most people don't know this, but leukemia is like the one form of cancer that once it's out of your system, it's a cure. You can get leukemia again, it won't be the same one, so it's yeah. not remission. And um, as of today, uh, my mom is cured of leukemia. And um, so awesome. we have a lot of love for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society because we're people that have experienced how that research can save the loved ones. It's, so. it, that's what they say. It's it's much easier to do the research on the on the blood versus the tumors because mm -hmm. the tumor doesn't act the same once you take it out. Very true. Body. Once so oxygen hits so, it. So many of the cures that have come into other spaces of cancer have started out as LLS research that were then used in, in you know, colon cancer, breast oh. cancer, all those things, yeah. Yeah, being on the forefront. Well, that's really amazing. I think that um, anybody that can be successful in their <laughs> business, have a family, how many kiddos? Four. Four kiddos, active in your community. Hi Giselle, hi Allie, hi Cody, hi Gavin. Give them a shout out, that's awesome. <laughs> Say hi to your wife too. Hi Lupe. <laughs> I'm the wife. My husband will forget to say hi to me, too. Don't worry. Um, definitely thank you for being here. What you're doing for your community and where you've, you know, grown from, it's awesome. It's exactly the kind of story that I want people to hear. I'm certain there are other folks out there that may have experienced some things or currently are, and I hope that they will hear this, and this will be an inspiration for them to know that there's life after grief and um, 
there's so many beautiful things and thank you thank you everybody for tuning in today um thank you tim so no very much for being here it was such a pleasure getting to know you more and remember guys share the podcast Please. like comment let us know your thoughts of course if you want to be a guest you know i'm interested in hearing your story and um, definitely the more we can get this out there to people, it will be more people that we can influence and inspire. So um, definitely share this podcast with your loved ones, with your friends, with your community, and um, send me a message if you would like to be a guest or you have questions. And I'm always here if anybody needs to just talk or wants to, um, I'm, a, I'm a great soundboard. I wanna Ooh. thank you so much for tuning in today and we'll see you next week, thanks. Thank you. Bye, guys. My words come from my soul. Control of one's own path is a destiny that a man must choose. And just because.